And he makes all things beautiful in his time. Lord, please show me every day as you're teaching me your way that you do just what you say. trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. And through it all, oh, now through it all, I've learned to depend upon His Word. many tears and sorrows I've had questions for tomorrow many times I didn't know right from wrong but in every situation God gave me consolation that my trials only come to make me strong. Oh, now through it all, and through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God and through it all oh through it all I've learned to depend upon His word now I've been a lot of places I've seen a lot of faces, but there were times I felt so all alone. But in my lonely hours, those precious lonely hours, Jesus led me know that I'm
upon his word. Sing that one more time. Oh, now just through it all, through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. And We'll sing that song, um, The Love of God. Just before we uh, take these prayer requests to the Lord, we'll just sing this. And uh, if I could, just have Brother Chris come and pray over these after I finish reading them. The love of God is greater than time. Parchment. 
softly you may have your seats for just a moment and like i said if i could just have brother chris come after i finish reading these and if i could have the ushers uh, just go ahead and come forward at the end of me reading these as well uh, we just want to uh, remember brother barry and sister becky who are not here with us this evening they couldn't make it down uh, so if we could just remember them also if you could just uh, remember uh, my dad and brother brian call they are not with us they're having to work this evening so if we could just remember them and also if you could just remember uh, my grandmother sister Shirley and uh, my aunt Karen they both are at home not feeling well and uh, sister Karen actually goes um, tomorrow for a doctor's appointment for her niece so if you could just remember her in prayer and uh, we also have uh, the camp meetings this weekend uh, down in South Carolina those who are going, um, if you could just remember those of us who are going, that the Lord would just speak to us. And uh, also, uh, any of those who are not here, we have quite a few who are not with us this evening, whether they're working or just not feeling well. So if we could just remember them. And uh, just any unspoken requests as well. I know we all have them. I know uh, every day we encounter either someone we know or we ourselves have something that uh, we're dealing with. So if we could just remember each of those in prayer. And Brother Chris, if you would just come and if you would just stand again. And ushers, if you would just go ahead and come on forward and we'll pray over the tithes and offering as well. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, Lord, we thank you once again for this opportunity that we have to come to your house together with other saints of like precious faith. Lord, to come and hear your word. Lord, we've heard the needs that have been brought before the people. We just ask that you would be with those that need a healer, Lord, be their Jehovah Jireh, their provider, provide all things, Lord. Father, I ask that you'd be with the minister this evening, that you'd bring, be with him as he brings the word. Lord, reveal yourself to us in, in another mighty way tonight. Father, we thank you once again for the offerings. Just ask you'd 
bless the gift, the giver, bless the intended use. We ask these things in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Just as uh, you may have your seats as the ushers go by, let's put in the key of G. Let's sing that song, I Know the Master of the Wind. Uh, I'm glad that we know the Master of the Wind. Um, there's, It seems like this week I've encountered a lot of people who just, they're going through a lot, and they, they don't have anywhere to go. Um, but I'm glad that we do. We we have someone we can go to. So let's just sing this. And I've, I've had this chorus on um, my mind, so if we could just sing this uh, before the minister comes. I know the master of the wind I know the maker of the rain And he can calm the storm And make the sun to shine again I know the master of the wind Oh, now I know the master of the wind. I know the maker of the rain. And he can calm the storm and make the sun to shine again. I know the master of Oh, now I know the master of the wind. I know the maker, the rain. And he can calm the storm, make the sun to shine again. I know the master of the wind. put it in F. So have your way, and have your way, and Holy Spirit, fill our hearts, and have your Yeah. 
keep it in the same key. I believe if you would just continue to play something softly just real quick. Let's just sing that song, uh, Because He Lives, now as uh, Brother Mike comes in the same key there. We just want to welcome everyone and visitors. I saw a couple of you walk in. I won't name your names, but uh, we just want to welcome you as well this evening. So just as Brother Mike comes, Because He Lives, I can face tomorrow. you tonight and appreciate everybody for pressing their way out. Pray God has something for you. I know he does. I just pray he'll help me get out of the way long enough that he can share with you what he's prepared for you this evening. 
Um, uh, it's always I appreciate the opportunity to come and uh, appreciate your atmosphere. You always present when a minister comes. It makes it easier for a minister to preach, but, uh, but it still makes him nervous when he stands in the spot. So I'm very nervous as always. But, uh, but we trust in God by his grace to, to help us out this evening. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to invite you to turn me to the book of Romans, the 8th chapter. Romans, the 8th chapter. And uh, we're going to look at verse 27, Romans 8 and 27. But before we read... Father, Lord, we want to give you thanks for your grace, for your mercy. Thank you, Lord, for your elective love that you've shown upon us. God, tonight we come to this hallowed place in your name, Lord, not just for the purpose of having service tonight, Lord, but we do come in an expectation, Lord, that you will meet with us here tonight. And God, that we will receive something from the blessings of your presence. Lord, help us to put aside all the cares of life for just a short period of time. Lord, we're human and we're mortals. Lord, we suffer things. We have afflictions. We have trials. And they do have their effect upon us, Lord. You're mindful of that because you've been through it when you were here on earth yourself. But, Lord, just give us grace tonight to be able to put them aside long enough, Lord, that we can receive something eternal from you tonight. Lord, bless this service. Lord, bless Brother Barry and his wife in their absence. Lord, may you touch them in their body, strengthen them, Lord. Lord, minister to whatever the need might be, Lord. You know and, Lord, I pray you bless all those that are missing tonight, Lord, for whatever reason. Lord, we've heard that some were not able to make it for work and some were traveling, oh, God, for a different reason. So, Lord, may your grace extend to them likewise. Lord, and bless those that are present. Lord, may they receive from your mighty hand tonight. We ask it in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Let's look at Romans chapter 8, just two verses. Romans eight twenty-seven, And it says, And he that searches the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Let's bow our heads once again. Dear Lord, we thank you for the reading of your word. Lord, we now commit the refraining of the service into your hands. Lord, we ask your grace upon it. In Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Maybe seated. I'd like to take for a thought tonight. Nothing is out of cater. Nothing is out of cater. I like that last song our brother was singing. We know who holds the future. We know who holds the presence. All things are in his control. Therefore, if everything is in his control, we know nothing is out of cater. Let me share a quote that sort of inspired this thought for what we have tonight comes from the message of rapture. Brother Banner made this statement. He said, If God is infinite, almighty, and all-powerful, omnipresent, and omniscient. That last one is really significant. Omniscient. Omniscient means he knows all things. Omniscience gives him the ability to know the end from the beginning. If he's omniscient, why he knowed all things from the beginning. So, we, so he knowed. There's nothing out of cater it's just us that thinks it is. So when Brother Banner makes that statement, there's nothing out of cater, how do we evaluate that? It can't be by our own thinking, 
because the reason Brother Branham says that God, nothing is out of cater is because he knows all things. We don't know all things. We don't even know some things that's already passed. We look back in our lives, we still can't understand some things that are behind us, let alone what's going to happen tomorrow, what's happening tonight. So we don't know all things, but with God, he knows all the things, and so therefore with God, everything that's happening is only what he's already foreseen. There's no new thing surfacing with God, so, so God can't say, I didn't expect that. I didn't know that was coming. No, everything is going the same way he saw it before the foundation of the world. When he saw this age, he saw this service tonight, he knew Brother Barry would be in Virginia and Brother Holloway would be in the pulpit. Are you following me? He knowed all things. We didn't know this last week. Brother Barry didn't know it last week. I didn't know it last week, but we know it tonight. But God knew this before the foundation of the world. So therefore, with God, nothing is out of cater. Now, I want you to watch this. Back to that same quote. So Brother Bram said, if God is infinite, almighty, all-powerful, omnipresent, omniscient, why he knowed all things from the beginning. So he know there's nothing out of cater. It's just us that thinks it is. He said, but everything's run. He said, look back in the word and you'll see what he's doing. Then we'll have an understanding. So Brother Bram says, so now with God, nothing's out of cater. But God actually took his thoughts that he knew before the foundation of the world and Brother Bram said, God wrote those thoughts in the book, which is that we call the word. And if we go back to the word, he said, we can actually read and begin by revelation to find out what God was thinking before the foundation of the world. So in this book called the Bible, God actually has outlined every age from Genesis to Revelation. So even the time that you and I are now living, there's nothing happening right now that God didn't foresee coming and address it to some point in his word. And Brother Bam says, so when we look out and we see world events, if we can take what we see happening, no matter how contrary it seems to our thinking, and bring it back to the word, the word will tell you what day and hour and age you're living in. Then you can see what God is doing. And then once you see what God is doing, you say nothing's out of cater because he's in control. Are you following me? So now the prophet actually is talking about nothing being out of cater. Let's take that thought a little bit deeper. Nothing's out of cater. When I say on a cater, I'm going to give a little example. If you look at nature, for instance, if any of us were to wake up, let's say, tonight or in the morning around 3 a.m. and look outside the window and you saw the sun shining bright as noonday, you would say something's wrong. Something's out of cater. So we say something's out of cater. In other words, it's not in its ought to be condition. So either my clock is wrong, <laughs> either nature's wrong. Either I'm just dreaming something, but, but at 3 a.m. in North Carolina, you're not supposed to have noonday sunlight. So therefore, if I'm witnessing that, then something is out of cater, something that's not in its proper condition. So when Brother Bam said nothing's out of cater, he said in God's eyesight, in God's mind, because he foreknew everything, what he sees unfolding is moving exactly what he saw, and it's moving exactly according to what he prophesied in his word. So therefore, with God, nothing's out of cater. But a lot of times when we look out in our lives, when we look out into the world, things don't quite fit. It looks like the sun's shining at 3 a.m. Because that don't look right. This don't feel right. This should not be happening to me at this time. This should not be happening to God's church. This should not be happening to God's service. So you follow me? Things don't look right to us. So to us, they say they're out of cater. But if we come back to the word, we find out nothing's actually out of cater. Let me keep moving. If we look back at our scripture reading, Romans, the eighth chapter, verse 27, Paul says, and he that searches the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the spirit. Listen, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Now, this verse is talking about our advocate, our intercessor. 
And the Holy Spirit, as he intercedes on our behalf, he's not interceding based upon what we want. He's not interceding based upon how we evaluate the situation. The Bible said he's interceding or he's praying to God on our behalf, but he's doing so according to the will of God. And Brother Bam said, what is the will of God? It's the word of God. So the Holy Spirit is praying on every one of our behalf that actually a God's elect born again of his spirit. The Holy Spirit is interceding on your behalf, but he's doing so according to the word. And a lot of times what he's praying for, according to the word, doesn't fit our thinking. If we actually knew what the Holy Spirit was praying to us, his prayer would seem out of cater. We say, I don't think it should be that way. But he knows God's will, so therefore he's praying exactly according to the will of God. Let me keep going on this thought. Verse 26, it said, likewise, the spirit also helpeth our infirmities. This is the verse before that. For we know not, listen, for we not, know not what we should pray for as we ought but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. In other words, now Paul is actually saying the reason the Holy Spirit has to make certain intercessions for us because God left it to us to pray all the time and just go by our prayers, we would be praying for the wrong thing because the Bible said we don't know how we ought to pray because we don't know the will of God. So we would pray according to our will instead of having a revelation to pray according to God's will. So he gave us an intercession to make sure that in our lives, God's will is going to be performed to the believer. Are you following me? Let me keep on going. So the spirit is not praying for what we want, but it's praying for what we need. If you look at Paul's example here, let's turn to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I want to give you an example of exactly how, how easy this is. Paul, a prophet messenger of the first church age. Paul, a spirit-filled man. Paul, a man who had been given revelation beyond abundance. Paul, a man had been caught up to see, I believe it's calling to the scripture, the third heaven. Are you following me? But if we look at this great man that God used as a messenger at his first age, watch how this man, even in his own prayer, was not understanding exactly how God was moving in his own life and how his prayer didn't line up with what the will of God was. Now, I want you to watch this. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. And Paul says, and least I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of my revelations. There was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the message of Satan to buffet me. Least I should be exalted above measure. Paul had an affliction in his mortal body. And I believe in one place, Brother Bannon said it was his eyesight. It was when he was partially blinded or he was blinded on that road to Damascus. God restored his eyesight when Ananias prayed for him. But he never fully got his 100% eyesight back. Brother Bannon said he struggled with that for the rest of the days of his life. And so here is Paul praying and saying, Lord, I want my full eyesight back. I don't want to struggle with this. I want to be able to have my full eyesight back. And you know, any man that's actually serving God wants to see a full health of his body. I'm looking for God to restore full health of my body. Are you following me? That's something we desire. But here's Paul praying for this. But now watch what God is telling Paul as he's praying for it. He said, Paul, this thing that you're afflicted in your body, this isn't Satan's idea. This isn't Satan afflicting you because he has the right to do with you what he wants to, but I've sent him as a messenger to afflict you in your body. Now watch what, the, what, watch what the prophet finds out as he's praying to God for his healing. Watch how the Holy Spirit comes back and speaks to Paul. He said, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, least I should be exalted above measure. So in other words, Paul was going through his affliction because God was using this affliction to humble Paul or to keep Paul humble. Watch this. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, 
For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, Paul said, therefore, I would rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Even though Paul had an affliction and he was praying to God and the Bible said he sought God three times for this. Lord, take this away. Take this away. Take this away. That was his prayer. But the Holy Spirit was saying, you need it. You need it. You need it, Paul, because I'm using you in such a mighty way. You need something to keep you humble and earthbound. At least you be exalted beyond measure. So even though Paul was going through his affliction, in the human mind, even in Paul's eyesight, it looked out of cater. Why am I having to suffer with this for so many years and for so long a time when God said, Paul, there was a reason I left that affliction upon you. Because it's actually going to work. Get this church to your good. Now, the Bible says to the believer, all things work together for good. So what I'm trying to get to tonight is even when things seem out of cater to our thinking, have this revelation. If you're an elect of God, God made you a promise. All things that we're going through in life, he's going to make sure in the end these things work out to your good. You might not understand them now, but you've got to trust the one that has everything in control. Now, I want you to watch this. Back to Romans, Romans 8, 28. We know all things work together for good. Now, notice these words, all things. We can easily identify this as blessings. Oh, blessings working in my good. I got a pay raise. Blessings working in my good. My son's got all A's this, 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 this semester or whatever. You've got all these things working together for my good. It's easy to see the blessings working to the good. But that word, all things, doesn't just mean blessings. That word, all things, means whatever you face as a believer, your footsteps are ordered by the Lord. Whatever you face, Jonah, I'm working this to your good. Are you following me? Now, I want you to watch this. Whether good or bad, they're working to the same purpose. They're working to the same purpose. The anointing upon Paul was working to the furthest of the ministry. The affliction upon Paul was to keep him humble for the working to the furthest of the ministry. They both were working for the same good, even though one was accepted readily and one was despised. They were both working for the same purpose. Let me give you another example. Look at Philippians chapter 1, verse 12. Paul again, just giving a couple examples from Paul. Paul said, but I would you should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out unto the furtherance of the gospel. Now notice what things. Watch what he, how he describes these things. So that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace. Paul as a prisoner, Paul actually in bonds, he's saying is actually working to the furtherance of the gospel, to the ministry. Watch this. And in all other places, and many of the brethren in the Lord waxing confident in my bonds are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Paul's own affliction was actually being used by God, even though it was an affliction on his flesh. He said it was actually emboldening other brothers to go out and preach the gospel more boldly. Are you following me? So even though to some people they say, why does Paul have to go through these things? God was using Paul's afflictions for the furtherance of the gospel. Are you following me? Let me keep going. Back to Romans. Romans 28 again. For we know all things work together for good to them that love God. To them who are the called according to this purpose. Now, this scripture is one in the Bible that's often, very often misused. We see a lot of people in the world, some profess to be Christians, some don't even profess to be Christians. And they'll use this scripture and they'll say, All things are working to my good. But if you read this scripture carefully, this scripture is not applied to everybody. 
Judas couldn't read the scripture and say, all things are right. He could not use the scripture. Are you following me? Caiaphas could not use this scripture. Jesus could use this scripture. God's elect of the age that God foreknew for the age that were elected according to his purpose. That's who he's talking about in this scripture. Watch how it reads. And we know all things work together for good to them that love God. First requirement to them who are the called according to his purpose. So you have to be called in your age for a purpose of God in your life in order to apply this scripture. Therefore, everything that's working in your life, God is using it for one reason. He's getting your life aligned with his purpose. Whatever that purpose is, he's using difficulties. He's using blessings. He's using all manner of things in your life to get your life lined up to one thing in order that you might fulfill the purpose for which he placed you in this age. That's who this is applied to. Let me keep reading. So this is a specific group of people. For we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, for them who are called according to his purpose, for whom he did foreknow. Now I want you to watch this. He also did predestinate. So now these people that are called for a purpose, God had foreknowledge of these people before they ever came to the earth. He foreknew them. In other words, he could see down through the corridors of time and he knew exactly who was coming. He knew exactly what age to put him in. He knew exactly what they would do when they came to that age. And whom he did foreknow, he did predestinate. Now watch how the prophet bring this out. Two things, foreknowledge and predestination. In the message adoption, Brother Brown says this. Election looks back to foreknowledge. And predestination looks to destiny. You see how we separate those two thoughts. Election looks to foreknowledge. That's the choosing. But then once a man is choosing, now predestination, what he's been chosen for, looks to destiny. Where is that man going? There's first got to be a man chosen, and then he's got to be chosen for a purpose. And then once he's chosen for a purpose, then he's predestinated to a certain path in order to attain to that purpose. Are you following me? Let me keep going. Let me keep reading Brother Bram's quote. Adoption, part one, 1960. Election looks back to foreknowledge and predestiny looks to destiny. Brother Bram says, don't forget that. That election looks back here. Here it is. I was a coker I was born in sin, shaped in iniquity, come to the world speaking lies, born among sinners. But now I want you to watch Brother Bram's how he explained God's program. Born among sinners. Father and mother, all my whole family sinners, I was a cocoa but all of a sudden I became a wheat grain. Brother, I said, now how did that happen? If a man born in sin, shaped in iniquity, come to the world speaking lies. Brother Bam said, I was just as much a sinner as anybody else on my block. There was nothing special about Will Branham. I was the kind of guy that would put a firecracker in the frog mouth to watch it pop. Are you following me? I wasn't a good boy. When I got picked on one day, walk carrying a girl's books home from school, and some boys picked on me, I went home and got my, my hunting 20, uh, 22 rifle or whatever it was he had, and I came back with the intent I was going to kill those men. Why? Because that was the nature that was in him. But now, how did I go from that nature to being a wheat germ? That was a cocoa how did I go from something sticky, something that people didn't want to be around? How did I go from being a cocoa to being a wheat germ, the staff of life? Watch this. Brother Bam said, what did that? He said, election. God, before the foundation of the world, elected that cocoa to become a wheat grain. Now, how did God know to elect that cocoa Watch this. Now, I know I'm a wheat grain because I'm saved. 
How did I do it? Look back here that he predestinated that a long time ago. He predestinated the destiny. Now watch this. By foreknowledge, he's seen foreknowledge. He could look down through the corners of time. By foreknowledge, he's seen that I would love him. Them who love God, them who are called according to his purpose. God could see in that man, even though he had that sticky nature, there was a seed that when the word of God came to him, he would not reject the word. But when the word came to him in his season, he would love the word. I want you to be able to see how God has called you. You're not here tonight by some chance. You're not here in this church tonight by accident. If you're in this church, God is trying to deal with you. He's trying to bring you to a purpose. And if there's something in your heart that loves his word, God's talking to you. And I'm going to bring blessings and I'm going to bring afflictions. And I want you to know they're both coming at the hand of the same God, just like he did to Job. Job was a man of blessings. Job was a man of afflictions. And they both came at the voice of the same God. But Job was a righteous man in God's sight by his faith. Are you following me? Now, I want you to watch this. By foreknowledge, he's seen that I will love him. He said, so he made a propitiation through his own son that through him I might become from a coca bird to a grain of wheat. Now where am I at now? I'm saved. I'm walking in the grace of God. What does predestination look? Now watch this. That was election. Election saw that he would love him and he said, because he would love me, I can choose this man because I know what's going to be in him. He said, but now what does predestination do? Predestination said, now that I've chosen this man, what am I going to do with it? If I go pick up a vase out of a, out of a shop, out of a, out of a, out of a jewelry store, I mean, uh, not a jewelry store, but maybe some store that sells uh, pottery or something, I pick up a vase. I bought it. What am I going to do with it? I could put it in the window still empty. I could put flowers in it. I could do it. It's mine now. I've chosen it, but what am I going to do with it? Watch what he says. That was predestination look now to destiny. Where will he take me to and where am I going? Now, this is what I want to get to. Where will he take me to? Where am I going, Lord? Because I'm not leading. I'm following. I'm not in control anymore. He's in control. Even when I was born a sinner, Brother Branham thought he was in control. He thought he was in control and he was going to kill those three boys. God said, even when you were a sinner, I was in control. You were never, ever really in control. You were under the wrong influence, but you were not even in control. Are you following me? God always had his hand upon your life from the day you were conceived. No, let me go back further than that. Way back when, when your great, 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 great grandfather got with your great, 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 great grandmother, God was in control. He was way back then bringing seed together that would make a certain germ, a certain combination, a certain characteristic. He started way back then bringing things together. Why? Because he was bringing down a certain fleshly lineage that he was going to use for your corporal body in which he was going to place a seed. So you were never in control. Are you following me? Now, I want you to watch this. Where will he take me to and where am I going? Amen. He said, that got you. There you are. That's each one of us as believers. That's his purpose. And I want you to watch this. This is for those people that love him. God promised to make everything work to their good. To achieve whatever the purpose is he's calling them for in the age in which they live in. Now that sounds sweet. But that's only half the story. 
Let's look at Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. Philippians 3, 10. And watch what Paul says again. I'm just using Paul as my theme to, to bring out this point about how all things work together for good, both the good and the bad. I'm going somewhere with this. Paul says in Philippians 3.10 that I might know him in the power of his resurrection. Oh, my, how every preacher and every Christian wants that. We want to see the power of the resurrection of Christ manifest in our lives in a greater way. I thank God for how it's already been manifested in each one of us. But if you're a real believer, you want it even more than you're experiencing it right now. That sounds like a great blessing, but that's half the story. And the fellowship of his sufferings. You can't have the one without the other. They both are going into the Christian experience. I want you to watch this. Being made conformable unto his death. So even in Christ's death, God was glorified. Are you following me? And even in our sufferings and our dying daily, God is being glorified. The trials and the dark, the shadows sometimes overshadow our vision and we can get depressed. Especially if they go on for a long period of time and we can't understand why they're going on. Then all of a sudden you begin to get worried and say, Lord, is something wrong? If I've done bad, what's wrong in my life? Brother Bradham said, dark days and cloudy days. He said, dark nights and cloudy days. It by no means is a sign of God's disapproval. Neither is the sunshine and, sh- and, and, and shiny days a sign of his love and approval. He said the sign of his love and approval is only in that he elected you to make you a Christian out of a cocoa That's his love unto you. But once he chooses you, he has to bring certain things in your life to bring certain things to pass. Are you following me? This is for the elect, and it's all working to this good. And I want you to watch this. Let's go back to my statement that inspired this thought for the night. And I want to read it to you one more time. Out of the message of rapture, 1965. Brother Bram said, there's nothing out of cater. It's just us that thinks it is. It's everything run. He said, look back to the word and see what he's doing. Then we'll have an understanding. Now, in the days of Enoch and Abraham and Job and all those sages of old, they didn't have a Bible. They couldn't go back to the word of God and see what God was doing in their lives. Joseph couldn't go back to the word of God and understand why he was being sold into slavery. He had a vision one day he was going to be exalted, but God never gave him the interpretation of that vision. He just knew what it represented, but he didn't know it meant going down to Egypt. He didn't know he was going to be sold into slavery. He didn't know all of that. Are you following me? He had no prophecy he can go back to and say, by this prophecy, I can certainly explain the situation. Abraham had no prophecy to go back to and pick up a Bible and say, because of this prophecy, I'm going to have a child named Isaac. Are you following me? They didn't have those things. But Brother Brown said, but you and I are in a different age. We live in the age not only of a canonized Bible, but we live in the age of an open book. And because of this open book, now that we see certain things happening, you and I have the privilege, if we would take the time to do so, of going back to God's word. When certain things seem to be out of cater and say, God, help me understand what's going on. Help me bring this back in line of your scripture that I might see what you're doing and then I'll recognize nothing's out of cater. And when I can see what he's doing, I can rest knowing everything's under control. Now I want you to watch this. Let's lose Jesus Christ as our example. Turn to the book of St. John if you care to. If not, I'll read. I'm going to read it for you. You can follow me just as I read along. But if you want to turn in with me, you're welcome to it. St. John chapter 18. Watch how this works to Jesus' life. And I want you to bring this to our present age. When Jesus was going along one evening, there were certain prophecies that went along with his life. There was the prophecy that he'd be born of a virgin. That was history. But it came to pass according to the word of God. 
And when a woman that was a virgin said she was pregnant to the world, that was out of cater. They said she's an adulteress. No woman can be pregnant without knowing a man. It was out of cater. But to her, nothing was out of cater. It was exactly the word of God. Then when Jesus Christ was baptized with John, and John said, I need to be baptized of thee. Jesus Christ said, no, I need to be baptized of thee. Nothing was out of cater, John. You're going to baptize me because the word says the lamb has to be washed by the priesthood, and you're a Levite, John, and I'm the lamb, and you have to wash me preparing the sacrifice. Nothing's out of cater. His life was moving up. Nothing was out of cater. He came to a feast of Canaan one time and did a first miracle. After the baptism of John and the Holy Ghost came upon him, he was the fullness of God, his bodily. And he began to do signs and miracles, and his ministry began to grow. Nothing was out of cater. But now, all of a sudden, as he's coming to the end of his ministry, the same God that had organized all the rest of that life was now about to bring another part of the scripture to pass. It wasn't a pretty part. It wasn't a part that even Jesus himself looked forward to. But it was a part of the word. Therefore, it had to be fulfilled. And the night it was going to be fulfilled, the disciples was doing, listen now, they were doing something they had already done many times with Jesus. They were getting ready to go down to uh, a certain place. And they were having a prayer meeting. And they had just finished having communion. And no doubt they were singing songs, as many Christians do on communion night. After you have your foot washing, after you take your communion, it's a time of reflection upon what God has done for you. And you're happy if sometimes the song leader will lead us in some special songs and we'll worship after we have our communion. Are you following me? I'm sure that's happened on that night after Jesus served in communion and they had some songs of worship. And they went down to the garden to pray. And while they were praying, Jesus was praying through because he knew that there was something changing in the atmosphere even as he was praying. Are you following me? But those that were in the church, now this is what I want to get to. They didn't recognize it. They didn't recognize the scripture. They didn't recognize the changing of the atmosphere. They didn't recognize what God was doing behind the scenes. So to them, it was just another night of communion. It was another night of songs. It was another night of going down to the garden for prayer. And now we're heading back to our places of abode and as we go on from one to another to them it was another night but to Jesus it was not another night and it was also not out of cater but to those who didn't have the revelation of the word for that hour oh it was very much out of cater watch what the scripture says St. John 18 verse 1 when Jesus had spoken these words he went forth with his disciples over to the brook Cedron where there was a garden into which he entered and his disciples and Judas also, Judas also, which betrayed him, knew the place for Jesus oft times resorted there with his disciples. This was a common thing, church. This was not something that was a unique night. It was a common night. Listen, Judas didn't have received the band of men and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees coming thither with ladders and torches and weapons. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him. Now, I want you to watch this. How was he knowing all things? It didn't say he knew all things that was going to happen. Because when they asked him about the rapture, they said, when are you coming back? Jesus Christ said, I don't know that. Only the Father knows that. So when it says all things, it's not saying he knew everything from the end to the beginning. Jesus Christ was a man. He did at that time work in the realm of a son of man, of a prophet. And what he knew is what God revealed to him. But he knew all things that was to come upon him. Are you following me? How did he know what was to come upon him? He did what Brother Branham told us to do. Look back to the word. 
Don't be caught off guard. God gave you a word. God gave you a message. Look back to the word. When you're going through something, when things get hard, when you look at the news and you hear the headlines and things are being reported and the world's trying to figure out what's going on, we should not be out of cater. Look back to the word of the age. Find out what God is doing. Christ looked back to what the word said. He knew what those prophets prophesied. So therefore, by the revelation of those prophets' prophecy, he knew all things concerning himself. Now, I want you to watch this. He went forth and said unto them, Whom seek ye? They answered him and said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said unto them, I am he. And Judas also, which betrayed him, stood with them. And as soon as he said, and he had said unto them, I am he, they went backwards and fell to the ground. Then asked he again, Whom seek ye? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered and told them that I am he. If ye therefore seek me, let these go their way, that the same might be fulfilled which he spake of them, which thou giveth me, I have lost none. You see, everything he's doing that night, he's doing it with the word in mind. He knew that they were coming for him. He knew Judas was the one that was going to betray him. And he knew that they were going to try to take the whole band because they didn't want none of them to get away. They hated the whole group, he and his disciples. But Jesus Christ said, I've already prophesied that, Lord, you're not going to lose one of these. And so, therefore, that that word might come to pass. He spoke on their behalf. He interceded in order for the word for them to be fulfilled. But now watch concern himself. Watch what he did. He says, then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and smote the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Then said Jesus unto Peter, put up thy sword into thy sheath, the cup which my father hath given me. Shall I not drink it? He knew what was coming upon him. Peter didn't. Peter was a part of the prophecy, but he didn't have a revelation of his place. So Jesus Christ was trying to help him out because Peter didn't have a revelation of what was taking place. To Peter, it was just another night. We had come back from prayer. We just had communion. What in the world's going on? Something's out of cater here. Why is Judas leading these men? Why are they coming with staves? What's all the lanterns? What's this, what is this midnight thing all about? To Peter, it was very much out of cater. But to Christ, it was the word of God coming to pass. I'm trying to bring us to a point. You and I are in an age where things can change for us quickly. That's what I want to say it again. Quickly. But if you're in the Word, as Brother Bannon said, when these things pass, it'll not catch you off guard. It'll be happening exactly according to the Word. And nothing will be out of cater. Now watch Jesus. Then the band and the captains and the officers and the Jews took Jesus and bound him and led him away to Anna's first for he was father-in-law to Caiaphasus, which was a high priest that same year. If you read the whole account, the Bible says that when they came, Jesus stood out to meet them. He didn't run. He didn't try to get away. Why did he not try to resist? Because he knew, according to the word of God, the hour had come for him to face this confrontation. And he prayed through in the garden to make sure that he was ready. And Brother Bramble said that night when he prayed through, he died more in the garden of Gethsemane than he did at Calvary. Why? He had to condition his own heart for what was about to happen. And he had to know where he stood in that prophecy. He had to know it was the will of God. And he had to know that God was with him. He said, all men have forsaken me. Yet God was with him. With what we're about to face, church, you've got to have that revelation. God is with you. He's not going to be with you. He's now with you. And in that situation, he'll continue to be with you. And he's going to bring you through according to the word. In his age, he was going to Calvary. You and I are going to a rapture. But we've got to go through something before we get to that place. Let me keep reading. 
Jesus was the only one that understood the scripture. The high priest servant that night, he was there on official business for the church. The Romans that carried the staves and the spears, they were there on civil matters. There was a complaint made against a man and we're going to arrest him. Peter, the disciple, the one that was in the message of the hour, without the revelation, was going to be pleading self-defense on behalf of his Messiah or his master. Are you following me? Everyone had their own good ideas, but Christ had a revelation. And the revelation is what carried him through his situation. Let me keep going. Let's look at Luke 24 for a minute. Let me give you another example. Luke 24, 13. This is after the resurrection. Now keep in mind, before the crucifixion, Jesus Christ not only was the prophets foretelling these things, but Christ himself had told them what was going to happen to him. That even men were going to come and betray the son of man and he was going to be lifted up and that he was going to raise again the third day. He preached that to them several times. But they didn't get it. They didn't get it. But I want you to watch this. Luke 24, 13. It says, and behold, two of them went the same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about three score furlongs. And they talked together all of these things which had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed together in reason, Jesus himself drew nigh and went with them. But their eyes were holding that they should not know him. And he said unto them, What manner of communication are these that ye have one to another as ye walk and are sad? And one of them, whose name was Cleophas, answered and said unto him, Art thou a stranger in Jerusalem, has not, not known the things that are come to pass there in these days? Now keep in mind, Jesus Christ was the most notable ministry at that time. Now, I'm not saying that everybody knew about him. Brother Bram said there's a lot of people that didn't know about him. But he had a ministry that had a significant impact. And here was this end of this ministry. And even though a lot of people in our age had no idea who William Branham was, at the time of his departure, it made headlines. The great evangelist that sparked the revival, he passed on. You follow me? They might have not identified or understood who he was, but there were people that were aware of what was taking place. And Cleophas is saying, where have you been? This great man that Israel was shaking up and turned upside down about, this great man just been crucified, and you're asking him what's going on because as if you have no idea. But I want you to watch this. And he said unto them, what things? And they said concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet mighty indeed and before mighty indeed and word before God and all the people and how that the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. But we trusted that he had been listen now, but we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. Now I want you to watch how significant that statement is. What did Jesus Christ do at Calvary? He redeemed Israel. Brother Brown said at Calvary, he had to redeem the Jews. Listen now, he had to redeem Israel in order to get himself a Gentile bride. Boaz had to redeem Naomi in order to get Ruth. He could not just go to Ruth. He had to go through Naomi in order to get Ruth. And here at Calvary, Christ died for the sins of the world. He was actually a redeemer on display. And they're saying, we're looking for the redeemer. But what? Because they didn't look for it according to the scripture, when it was coming to pass, they couldn't put their finger on what they were looking at. Do you see what's happening? 
To them, it's all out of cater. We trust it. This ain't the way we thought it was going to be. This is not how the ministry is supposed to end. We have followed this message. We had our own ideas. We thought this was going to happen. We thought that was going to happen. And now it's not happening the way we were taught. It's not happening the way we believe. I don't know what's going on. And Jesus Christ is looking at him going, what things? Now watch his reaction. But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And besides all this, today is the third day since these things were done. They at least had that living in mind. He was supposed to rise on the third day. They at least held on to that little bit. But they couldn't even identify with that because when they went to the tomb, he wasn't there. They were hoping that maybe when he rose again, he was going to come to them and say, boys, here I am. And he did, but he didn't do it the way that they were looking for it. You see what I'm getting at? There's a lot of things that happen in the scripture that would look to be out of cater to the people who were the key, chief people involved with the events. But most of the time, they didn't understand what was happening at the time it was happening. But nothing was out of cater according to thus said the Lord. Let me keep reading. He says, Yea, the certain women also of our company made us astonished, which when they went early to the sepulcher, and they found not his body, they came saying they had also seen a vision of angels which said that he was alive. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulcher and found it even as the women had said, but him they saw not. Then he said unto them, O fools and slow of heart, listen to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself see nothing was out of cater to him because he was watching his life fulfill prophecy after prophecy line after line precept after precept he was watching god moving in his life and he knew he wasn't ordering his own steps because brother brown said jesus christ said i do nothing but the father showed me he knew he was being led in what he was doing in his own life and his own ministry therefore when he came to the crucifixion he knew that was the will of god just like his birth and his ministry and everything else was are you following me he was watching his life follow the path of the prophets not his own vision what the prophets had said. He didn't say, well, God showed me this and God showed me this and God showed me that. He said, you want to know how I knew what my life was doing? I went back to Moses. I went back to Isaiah. I went back to Malachi. I went back to all the prophets and I looked at what they said, what happened in my life. And I began to get a vision of what those prophets were talking about. And I recognized, get this church, my life was only walking in a vision. Because God gave those prophets a vision of what the Messiah would be and what he would do. And they took that vision and they put it in a book called the Old Testament. And when Christ came, Christ's life wasn't there just to follow the law of Moses, to follow Ten Commandments. He was there to walk in the light of the vision. But yet the Pharisees, all they knew how to do was the COD. They could look at the conduct order and say, well, you're supposed to wear this and you're supposed to eat this and you're supposed to do this a certain day of the week and this a certain time of year. And Christ did all of that. He fulfilled every part of that law, but he saw something greater than the law. He recognized my life is here to fulfill the word. That's my purpose for coming is to fulfill the word. Now it's up to me to go before God and say, Lord, if I'm here to fulfill the word, what part of the word am I to fulfill? And then the father could lead the lamb into every scripture pertaining himself. And even when it got hard and he had to go to Calvary, nothing was out of cater because the death was just as powerful in fulfilling the word as was the birth. You couldn't.
couldn't have the one without the other and fulfill the promise of the Messiah, the Redeemer of mankind. You got to have a virgin birth and you got to have a sinless blood and it's got to be shed. And this bride is not getting out of here. Listen to me, church, without facing the hall of critics. It's already been spoken. She's not getting out of here without watching this thing shut down. And then Brother Bam said she'll be left bereft. But she'll not be without a comforter. When, it, when, when, when Elijah was left without anything because the brook, brook dried up and the crows didn't come again. He wasn't left without anything. The same God that has sustained him for that amount of time had another widow woman prepared, commissioned to continue his sustaining. What I'm trying to say, church, is we've got to be able to look at the entire prophecy. There's so many people say, I'm looking for a third pool. That's the blessing. Who don't want a third pool? But church, we've got to go through every prophecy. And you've got to know your place and how the scripture said and how the prophet laid it out so that when you get in that place, you can look and say, Lord, this is what you spoke of. And you have nothing to fear. Because just as the third pool is a part of the prophecy, so is the squeeze. And the prophet said that without the squeeze, the third pool comes with it. You watch when this squeeze starts upon that little bride. Then you watch that third pool go in effect. Oh, you follow what I'm saying? I'm not trying to interpret things to you. I'm leaving that between you and the Holy Ghost. But what I am saying is we've had a message come to us by a vindicated prophet and he came to lay out the end of this age and what you and I are going to experience and we have to rest up on that and know what that prophet has said so that when you find yourself in that situation, you can be like Jesus and say, this is what he said and this is what he said and this is what he said. And if the first part has come to pass, surely the next part will happen just the same way. If I'm going to die on a cross... Jesus Christ said, the third day I'm going to raise up again. Why? That's the prophesy by the same man I was going to die. Also said I'll raise again. Are you following me? It's all the word of the prophets. Now I want you to watch this. I want you to watch this. Jesus Christ's prophecy. Looking at those prophets. And seeing the word that pertained themselves. Now I want you to watch how Brother Branham put this. He saw himself in a vision. And you had men, righteous men, that had been studying the word. And all they knew what Brother Brown described as the humanistic side of the word. They can say Moses said, thou should not steal. Moses said that the sons of God or the children of Israel should come present themselves before God three times a year. Moses said that we should have a feast of weeks. Moses said that we should kill a lamb without spot or without blemish and we should do certain things. Moses said they could see the humanistic side of it. But when Christ came, he wasn't dealing with the humanistic side of it. He came to fulfill the spiritual application. And the church that was following the humanistic side could not recognize the spiritual side. But the elect that God has called was ordained to the spiritual side as well as she was to the humanistic side. She's going to honor all of the moral side, if you want to call it that, by faith, because God wants a clean living people. But she realizes my life has to go beyond the righteous of the Pharisees because Jesus Christ said, except your righteousness go beyond theirs. You should have no wise in the end. You've got to go beyond the humanistic side. 
You've got to be able to go to a realm where you can hear from God and God can reveal to you exactly what's taking place, not necessarily foreshowing all the way ahead of time. I'm not saying I can predict what's going to happen next week or next morning or even next year. I'm not saying that. But as things begin to unfold, you begin to recognize where the word of God is in that and you can see what's taking place. Are you following me? Now, let me show you how the brother Branham taught this, because the same way that Jesus as a prophet walked into his vision, brother Branham as a prophet walked into his vision. And he began to talk about how prophets, God give them a vision of something that's going to happen ahead of time. And it's not until they begin to see it happen that they realize what's taking place. Are you following me? Now, watch this in the message. What is a vision? Watch how brother Branham lays this out. He says, maybe and now he's given an illustration. This is not an actual vision. He's given us an illustration. Maybe sit down in a room and there will come a vision. And maybe it'll sit perfectly still for quite a while. He'll say, now you're going to have a call in a few moments from the phone. And you're going into this city. And when you go into the city, you'll go to a certain place. It'll be this way. And you'll go into a room and you'll lay your hat on, you'll lay your hat down, or the lady will lay your hat on the bed, but it isn't supposed to be there. It's supposed to be laying over on the table, and another lady will come in this way. You'll see it all acted out just exactly the way it's supposed to be done. Now, I want you to watch this. God shows him before it happens, but he's not the one to try to make nothing happen. His job is not to make things happen. We're not to make the third pull happen. We're not to make the body change happen. We're not to make the coming of the Lord happen. But we're to be prepared for when it happens. But we're to know what's supposed to happen and stand alert so that when it does happen, by faith we recognize what's unfolding in front of us. So God is telling Brother Branham, I'm telling you what's going to happen. Now you need to be on your toes so that when it happens, you can recognize what's unfolding in front of you. Now watch this. And if I fail, Brother Bram said, in one of those things, it won't happen. So in other words, God is telling me what he's going to do. He's got his part covered. But then he tells me when that happens, when he does his part, then he tells me, now after I do my part, this is what I want you to do. Or you follow me. And Brother Bram said, and if I'm not on my toes and I miss it, then it won't happen. Because even though he said you're going to do this, but if I'm not ready to act when that happens, then I miss it. The foolish virgin was looking for a rapture, but she wasn't ready to act when it happened, and she missed it. But the wise had a revelation, and she was watching for the events, and when it happened, she stepped in it. You see the difference? Both were anticipating the same event. Both had followed the same prophet message. Both had understood the same vision. But one was ready and one wasn't. Be ready to do your part. Have a clean life. Full of the Holy Ghost. Prayed up. One more time. Have a clean life. When I say clean life, what I mean? You're not perfect. I read a statement the day, Brother Bram said this. <laughs> It, it made me chuckle, but it was help. He said Moses had to recognize he was human. He said we need to recognize we're human. As humans, you're going to make mistakes. And he said you're always going to have them. That's human. But when I say a clean life, I'm talking about this fella here. I'm not talking about your mistakes. I'm not talking about your mess ups here and there. Because you brought prophets that you're going to always have them. But a heart that's searching yourself daily, 
saying, Lord, where I stand. Is there something I should do about that situation last week? I probably shouldn't have handled that that way. Lord, how, how would I make that right? Don't go around with things on your conscience that's bothering you, that you know are bothering you. If it's bothering you, just deal with it. Face it. And face it by the word. And then let God deal with it. Brother Branham, Brother Branham told his wife, said, honey, tell that man I'm not here. She said, but Bill, you're here. He said, I'm outside. Close the door. And then he said, I'm going on a prayer call. And when he got on a prayer call, that was on his heart. And the Holy Spirit said, you're going to pray for that baby with that on your heart? He said, no, Lord. He handed the man the baby back. He said, I'll be back. I got something I got to do. He went and prayed. He apologized to that man he lied to. He apologized to his wife for having her play a part in it. And then he went out in the woods and went to God and said, God, I've tried to make it right here and there. Now I got to make sure you accept it. Brother Bram said that little pillow, that little uh, whirlwind come off the top of that hill, rolled down by him. He said, passed by him, this little soft wind. He said he knew that was God saying, you've been accepted. Just don't go around with things on your heart. That's what I'm saying. Then once you got that clean, make sure that the blood's applied. Are you following me? And then once you're sure that the blood's applied, now listen, you follow that word. And you be prayed up about it. Watching. That's the commission of Christ. Watch and pray. Because we don't know what hour these things are going to come to pass. But if we're watching the word and we're praying over what we're watching, the Holy Spirit will make sure that you don't miss it. Now, let me keep going. Watch this prophet. <laughs> I'm going to read this, say this before I read this. I'm going to close. I got two, two quotes I'm closing. To show you how the Holy Spirit is with the human side of us. He told Brother Brown one time, he said, you're going into a country. It's going to be a country with a lot of rocks. He said, and in this country, he said, there's going to be a situation you're going to come up on. And there's going to be a little boy on the side of the road. He's going to be dressed a certain way. He's going to be hit in a car accident, and it's going to be a fatal car accident. As a matter of fact, he'll be dead when you arrive on the scene. And Brother Brown said, thus said the Lord, write it in the leaf of your Bibles. And he gave the details of the vision. And here he is in the vision, and he walks up, and he sees a little boy. And all of a sudden, he looks at him and says, so sad, so sad. And the mother crying and going on. And he turns around to go back to his car, and something touches his shoulder. You're in a vision. You need to recognize it because you got a part to play. And the brother Bam said, wait a minute. Rocks, boy with a crew cut haircut, socks or whatever on his legs. He said, wait a minute. Isn't there a vision, something about that? Brother, so-and-so, look at the flight of your Bible. Did I say something about that? He said, this is it. He said, thus said the Lord. <laughs> if this child isn't back on his feet in the next few minutes, he said, label me a false prophet and run me out of feeling. Why? Because God had told him that if you recognize the vision when it's coming to pass around you and you know your part in the vision and you take your part, you know what's going to happen next. He said, I'd have never said that if I hadn't had a vision. But the word had declared if I would recognize it and do my part, he told me what he would do if I did my part. And he did his part in what happened to that little boy. He got up on his feet. I don't care what these false prophets are saying about that prophecy. I believe it happened, and I'm looking forward to shaking that boy's hand when I get to the side and the prophet that prayed that prayer. Amen. Let me finish. Brother Bram said, you'll see it all acted out just exactly the way it's supposed to be done. 
This is God talking to the prophet. And then Brother Brown said, and if I fail in one of these things, it won't happen. It all has to be just exactly to the moment and to time and everything positionally the same for it's a vision. It has to be perfectly materialized. And when it does, it's got to happen. It never fails. When God begins to lay out the story, because remember, nothing's out of cater. He saw it all from the beginning. So when he foretold in the prophet's mouth what was going to happen, he wasn't guessing or hoping it was going to come to pass. He was only telling you what he's already seen. And you and I believe this prophet's ministry because God used that same gift in our generation to interpret his word to us and tell you and I what he's already seen. Last quote, the work of the Holy Spirit. Brother Bam says, start, started walking down the street. Now, this isn't him giving the illustration. This is him actually giving the real vision. Started walking down the street, walking along like that. And all at once, I heard somebody say, well, goodbye, doctor, and looked around, and here come a man packing a briefcase, walking down a step. And I thought, I've seen that man somewhere. Isn't that strange? And I looked, and there sat that little gray Ford sitting on the side of the street, and I said, that's a vision. Now, he didn't know this man, but his face looked familiar. Where have I seen this man before? He saw him in a vision. But it took certain events. Now, get this, church. This is what I'm getting at. It took certain events overlapping themselves to let him know that it wasn't just a man that looked familiar. It wasn't just a great forward. But when I saw the man and the great forward, all of a sudden, there's things that are starting to connect the dots. Are you following me? There's a lot of things we can say, oh, Brother Mike, this looks like that or that looks like that. Brother Brown said there's been many men with the number 666. He said, but never a man with 666 that lived in a city that was on seven hills. Are you following me? That was over a great church. He said, when these things start lining up, then you know you're looking at prophecy. So I'm not just talking about an isolated event here or an isolated event there. But I'm talking about things that begin to converge and overlap, begin to speak to the ones that are looking for the prophecy. Let's say, I'm in it. Are you following me? But if you don't know what the prophecy is, you'll never recognize when you're in it. Now watch this. And I thought I've seen that man somewhere. Isn't that strange? And I looked, and here sat that little gray Ford on this side of the street. And I said, that's the vision. And he come out, and I walked up. I said, how do you do? He said, how do you do, sir? Got in the car and drove away. And I run over the street. Now watch this. He's seen this man, and he saw this. Now he's looking for something. He said, I run over the street and look down. There laid that hoe. I said, this is it. How did he know to run over the street and look in a certain place for a hope? Because in the vision, God told him where everything would be. And all he's trying to do is connect the dots to make sure this don't look like the vision. Everything's got to be there for it to be the vision. Now, I want you to watch this. He says, look down the door. Lady come to the steps. She was weeping. I said, you have a sick baby, do you, lady? She said, yes, sir. Why does he ask her about a sick baby? Because in the vision, you know what his part was? To pray for the sick baby. So what he's looking for in the vision is, now that I'm in the vision, now what I got to do? I got to find the sick baby. Here comes a doctor down the stairs. Here comes a lady crying. This could be the sick baby. So he's investigating. Watch this. She said, yes, sir. He said, she said, are you a doctor? I said, no, ma'am. I'm a minister. She said, oh, yes, sir. I said, my name is Branham, Reverend Branham. She said, I don't believe I know you, Mr. Branham. I said, no, I'm a stranger. Could I see your baby a minute? She said, yes, sir. I said, thank you. I stepped in. I said, asked what was the matter. It had congested lungs, pneumonia. 
He said, a little bitty fellow laying there, and I thought, looked in the room just right, laid my hat down on the bed, but the lady went over and sat down and never moved the hat. So I thought, this is, hmm, now, can't say a word now, just have to wait and say nothing about the vision or nothing. Now, I want you to watch this now. He knows he's in the vision. He's found the baby. He's found the lady. He's found where he's supposed to be. But watch this. He's got to wait till everything is in order. You see, the problem a lot of times is when Brother Bram said when a church wants a revival like David did when he began to try to do God a service without being his will, David tried to make the revival happen. And he made a new cart. And God wasn't happy with it. And Brother Bram said and all he did with his new cart was cause an innocent man to die. Are oh, you following me? Because he was trying to do this without the doing it according to the will of God. All the prophet is trying to teach us here is as a prophet, as a son of man for this age, he was showing how God dealt with him in visions and how he knew how to follow the line of God's word, which was a vision. He knew how to follow the line of God's word. And if you follow the line of God's word, he said it never fails. And as a bride, all we're doing is the same thing. We're not trying to make nothing happen. We're not trying to work nothing up. I ain't trying to make Brother Mike so stirred up and something. I'm watching what God is doing and let God do the work on Brother Mike. Let God do the work idea, but I'm watching all these things that they begin to converge, expecting there to be one last great move. Once more, Lord, I want to see this revival sweep this bride before she goes out of here. But it can't be my doing. It's got to be according to God's word. And I'm watching certain events as they begin to unfold. In the religious realm, in the political realm. Are you following me? It's happening all across. Let me keep going. He said, I got to wait, say nothing about it or the vision. I keep talking to her, never ask prayer or nothing. I said, are you, he said, and your baby, how old is it? And how long have you lived here? And so forth like that. And we got to talking well. She got up and got my hat after a while. And I walked over to the side of the bed. She got my hat and laid it over on television. But the lady wasn't there with the red sweater on. So now God moved the hat according to where the hat's supposed to be. God showed the doctor leaving the house. God showed the great car. God showed the whole. Everything's falling in place. He said, but there was a lady that's supposed to have a red coat on. Watch this. A red sweater on. Can't pray yet, see. It hasn't, it isn't there yet. So I kept talking, sat down. Then after a while, the lady come in and sat down. Another lady come in, which had been out in another room or somewhere. She come in and sat down with the red sweater on. The lady with the brown coat got up and went out. Can't say nothing yet. He knew what he was looking for. And he knew it had to be in a certain position. And all he was waiting for was God to put everything in position because God was the one that gave the vision. He was the one before the foundation of the world saw that hour, saw that family, saw that lady, saw that baby, saw that house and saw William Branham sitting in the house praying for a baby. And God was going to raise that baby up. He said, but before I raise it up, I want you to see exactly what has to happen first. And don't put your hand to it. Just keep watching the vision. Just keep watching the vision and praying. Now watch this. Just wait there. And when they got all set together, just right, then I said, stand up a minute. And I walked over to the baby. I said, you don't know me. See, strangely, but thus said the Lord, the baby's healed. And the little baby turned over and began calling for his mother. He said, that's it. A man that was completely yielded to the will of God. And knew what the will of God was by the word of God. And he was simply willing to sit there and wait until God put everything in order. Nothing was out of cater. When the lady was leaving, nothing was out of cater. 
When the hat was in the wrong place, nothing was out of cater. Why? God told him exactly how it was going to be. Just watch and wait and let God put everything in order just exactly the way he said. And you just make sure you're ready when it happens. And then when you do, you step in your position and watch how God begins to move. I'm saying this because of this. I believe we're closer to his coming than perhaps we think. But these last couple of months have really put Brother Mike into desperation. Things are moving fast. When they end, I don't know. I don't try to put no deal out. I don't, try to, I don't try to predict what I don't know. But all I'm saying is the lady with the red sweater came in. All I can say is the hat's on the TV. All I can say, I saw the doctor when he walked out. But what about Lady Brown coat? She could step in any minute now. And when she does, we have to take our position. Let's not take this hour for granted. We got our lives. We got things we got to do. But let us watch and pray and be ready for the hour when the Son of Man cometh. Let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to say thank you for your grace. Lord, I know we're living in a desperate hour, but we're living at the end of the end of the age. Lord, we don't know what day or hour you said no man would know that. But I believe according to the word, we're supposed to know the season. The prophet didn't know when that lady with the brown coat was going to come in, but he knew he was in the vision. There were too many signs that spoke of it. Lord, I believe there's too many signs speaking of his soon coming. Every head bow. Lord, I just ask before your people. Ask your favor tonight. Not just upon me, for Lord, I know I need it as much as anybody in this building. But Lord, for every person with the sound of my voice. Lord, prepare our hearts. Prepare every person that's here tonight. Give us a shaking of our soul. Or wake up with the urgency of the hour. Let us not wait until things get so desperate till we've crossed the line. But Lord, while there's still blood on that throne that could change a cocoa bird to a wheat, may that power resonate in this building tonight. May you touch the hearts of those that are present. May you change the lives that need to be changed. May you give conviction to the hearts that need to repent. And Lord, may you give burden to the hearts that need to cry for the sigh, sigh and cry for the abominations that we see being done in the city. Lord, move upon your people as you did with Samson. Once more, Lord, we need you. If there's any here tonight that desire a move of God, just raise your hand and say, Lord, I'm looking for a move of God. Lord, lead me. Open my eyes. Let me see the vision clearly. Not by my thinking, not by my thoughts, but Lord, open up my eyes that I can see what you're doing. God bless you. Lord, you see the hands. Lord, my hands are up too. Lord, I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your elective love and letting us know that when the darkness gets to its darkest hour, nothing's out of cater. Lord, it's all moving according to your word. You promised to be with us. The same way you would Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they were in that fiery furnace, seven times hotter, your prophet said you were right there with them. You'll be the same way in this age. We thank you. We commit our lives to you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. If you give us a song, brother. Let's just sing that song, Open Our Eyes. 
that you found me and set me free. So glad I'm yours, Lord. So glad I'm yours. Amen. Let's just uh, sing one more song here before we dismiss. Let's just sing that song, Something Keeps Holding Me. Just, just sing this as you go. Just uh, remember those who are traveling and not with us. And uh, just continue to remember those who are going to the camp this weekend. And uh, just continue to keep each other in prayer. You know, as uh, we preach this evening, we are nearing the end. And times are going to get tougher. But uh, glad that we have something that's holding us. So just continue to keep each other in prayer. The trial of this world was getting closer, and the Something keeps holding